0: Okay. All right. So we are on chapter 14. Uh, we are going to do a quick review, especially because it's been a couple of weeks and we need to like refresh our brain and make sure we remember what we're talking about and what we're dealing with. And then we will head right into chapter 14. Okay. So chapter one, we're going to go all the way back to chapter one. It's every uh, couple weeks, we're going to do that because it really helps us process and as, like assimilate these concepts into our brain. So chapter one, we were introduced to three types of people, Tzaddik, Rasha, Benani. At this point, we really don't know much about them. Okay. We are just introduced to the concept of them. And we were also introduced to the concept of two souls inside of us. Okay. And at the end of chapter one, we talked about the animal soul. We talked about the animal soul first because it comes into our body first. And then, chapter two, we went into talking about the second soul, which is our godly soul. Okay. And what is the drive of the godly soul? It is self annihilation, self nullification to become one with God. and the animal soul's goal is exactly the opposite. It's self preservation. It's all about the self and making sure that it exists and keeps on existing. Okay. So, um, chapter three, we went on to t- discuss the composition of the godly soul, right? What is the God? Even though it's not a tangible thing, it still has a composition. What's the composition? There are 10 faculties split into two categories. We have three intellectual capacities and seven emotional capacities. Right. And we went on to explain how, which one comes first, intellectual or emotional intellect, right? Intellect gives birth to our emotions. Okay. We really went in deep into this concept. Um, anytime anyone has a question or, or wants to interrupt, just unmute yourself and do so, or put something in the chat box. Okay. Chapter four, we went into discussing, okay, so now we know that our soul has faculties, but but how are these things expressed? So we learned that there's three modes of expression, right? That's how our soul expresses itself into the outside world, thought, speech, and action. And we went into the whole concept of how thought, even though it doesn't necessarily feel that way, thought is an action because it can have a beginning and an end. You can't control what you think about, but you can control what you think of, right? Remember, we we really talked about that a lot. Okay. Chapter five, we talked about food for the soul. What's food for the soul? Torah, right? Torah is what feeds our soul and what really connects us to God. Okay. Chapter six. We spoke about everything the godly soul has, the animal soul has also, right? We learned that there's an equal balance to the world. So um, the composition, the modes of expression, all the things the godly soul has, the animal soul has as well. And we started to talk about the difference between holy versus unholy godly versus not godly, right? And then chapter 7 and 8, which we did together, we took that concept that exists in our soul and within ourselves, and we applied it to the world. So the world also has holy and unholy, right? The world also has things that are inherently holy, which is very few things. And the world has things which are inherently unholy, which is very, very few things, right? And the unholy things, God tells us like, no trespassing. Don't even try to elevate it. It's not possible. But the majority of the world is what? Neutral. The majority of the world has the um, ability, has the potential to either be elevated to holiness or downgraded to unholiness, depending on what you do with it. Okay. Chapter nine we talked about our body is a small city, and it has two kings vying for complete control. Who are the two kings? The godly soul and the animal soul, Yetzir Hara or Yetzir Tov, evil inclination and the good inclination. And we talked about how they're really the same, but there's a subtle difference. We spoke about that. Okay. Chapter 10, we, we talked about, okay, who, who is it, Tzaddik? right? We, we, we were introduced to this character, but we don't know who it really is. We only spend one short chapter on it because it's not really so relevant to us, but it's important for us to understand A, context, and B, we are able to have tzaddik moments, okay? And there's two types of tzaddik, a complete tzaddik and an incomplete tzaddik. Is this all like sounding familiar? Okay, good. Chapter 11 is the same thing, but with Russia, right? The Russia, who's the Russia? The person who doesn't have complete control, okay? Not evil. Russia does not equal evil. It equals a person who does not have complete control over their behaviors. There's an incomplete Russia and a complete Russia. What's the difference between the two? A complete Russia is somebody who has zero remorse. Um, do we come across that type of person very often? Almost never. Um, and the majority of the of the humans in this world fall into the Russia category, right? Because it's a huge, broad category, and we fall into that category and we are aspiring bainani, which brings me to chapter 12, which introduces the character of bainani, which this whole book is about. From now on, we're going to be talking about how do we get closer to this bainani? What is a bainani? Abenani is someone who has perfect action, but imperfect insides, right? So his insides are still a struggle. He's not perfect inside. Not all his thoughts and desires are directly God-centered, But he is, but he has behavioral control, which means that everything that comes out of him is going to be perfect. What does that mean as well? Is that To our naked eye, we would never be able to tell the difference between a tzaddik and a bainani. Only God knows that because on the outside, it looks exactly the same. It's only on the inside where the tzaddik veers from the bainani. And what's the difference between the two is that the tzaddik has perfect emotions. His emotional inside is totally congruent with God. means God's desires are his desires. And it's this one and the same. The Bainani is not so. The Bainani can really struggle with liking what God wants him to like, not liking what God doesn't want him to like, but he has the power to control what he does and what he says and what he thinks. OK, chapter 13 was a continuation of the Bainini, which we, I just spoke about. And now we're on chapter 14, which is also a continuation of the Bainini. We're really trying to understand who this Bainini character is and, and to grasp it and to understand that this, this person, this idea of a Bainini is actually within our reach. It is totally doable. Be it with a lot of work, but it's something that's accessible. A tzaddik is not accessible to us. Um, actually, most tzaddikim are born with that ability to be a tzaddik. Okay, we're going to talk about a little bit later in the chapter, um, you know, that we actually have some obligation to try to be a tzaddik, but it's not actually going to be practically happen. but we'll get to that soon any questions on the review? Um, anything was a little fuzzy? Something in our previous concepts that are, is not completely clear before we move on to chapter 14? Okay. Again, something comes up, you let me know. Okay. So the, the the coolest concept, I think, of a Benini, which is really cool to really think about, is the f- concept that You don't have to, you're, it's, it's funny because I think today in this world we're taught, and I think we spoke about this before, how it's all about being authentic, right? Being authentic to who we are. And if we don't feel like we want to do something, or we don't feel like it doesn't match with who we are, we, we automatically say that we, we can't do it or else that's inauthentic. The Tanya comes and tells us that you don't have to like everything that you do. And you don't have to dislike everything that you hold back from. It's called self-control, right? So just because you have this desire to act inappropriately or have an inappropriate relationship or to speak negatively about someone because, you know, gossip is just so good, right? We all enjoy a good piece of gossip. The Benini is here to tell us, the Tanya is here to tell us that the Benini will be attracted to this piece of gossip or be attracted to this inappropriate relationship, but has the ability to not act on it. Because not everything we feel do we have to do and vice versa. We might not be um, inherently or spiritually inspired by lighting Shabbos candles. Okay. I'm taking a random example, right? But it doesn't mean we don't have to do it. And it doesn't mean you're not being authentic or you're being a hypocrite by doing something that you don't, fully embrace and love and you know even believe in okay and that is the beauty about this idea because first of all I think it takes a little bit of the pressure off right like oh I don't actually have to like love every single mitzvah that Hashem gives me like I don't actually have to like Be in it, all in it with every fiber of my being. Like I still can be a good person just by doing something that, because I know it's right. Like, I feel like that's a really cool concept. And I think that is, is unique for the world we live in today, because we're all about today's like, just, just be you, right. Express who you are, whether it's, whether it's, you know, you know, prohibited or not prohibited, appropriate or not appropriate, just like let it all out there. And there's something to be said for having some self-control right? For having some idea of like, there's, there's what I desire and what I like and what I wish I can do. And, and what I know is a godly and refined way to behave. Okay. And so um, I'm going to give an example. And I, I heard this example from Shays Taub, who's like the Tanya guru. And it really, really resonated because I think it makes this idea really practical. And this is the example Okay, so in your mind, think about something that you really, a food that you really, really dislike, okay? Um, For me, I actually really like everything, like cilantro for me is like, don't even bring it near me, okay? So I'm going to use that example. I know cilantro is either like a love or a hate thing. I think it's actually, I read an article, it's like a chemical thing in your brain that you either hate or love cilantro. I hate it. Okay. So for me, I'm going to use this example because it really makes me like, it hits home for me, but you can like substitute this idea for any, um, thing that you really dislike, not something that you're allergic to, right. It has to be something that you're permitted to eat, not something unkosher, kosher, right. Something that you're permitted to eat. You just really don't like it. Okay. And we have a bet going on. Okay. And there's three, um, ways that this bet can be carried out. Okay. Bet number one is that you have to convince yourself and change your feeling for this disgusting food. I mean, nothing Hasha makes this disgusting, but something that you really, really don't like. And you're going to have to prove it. I mean, you're going to have a lie detector test and you're you're going to be asked like a series of questions to make sure that you really, really changed your dislike for this food to now that you really could enjoy it and like it. And if you pass the test, you win a million dollars. And if you fail, you owe a million dollars to the person who's making the bet with you. Okay. So you have to be able to instantly change your feeling for cilantro. And it has to be authentic because you're going to, it's, it's going to like, you can't fake it. Okay. That's bet number one. Bet number two is um, you don't have to like cilantro. You just have to eat a little bit of it every single day. So it doesn't matter. You can hate it. You can hate the cilantro. You just have to eat a little bit of it every single day, 365 days. And if you miss one day, you lose the bet if you do it for a year straight and you do it every single day, you win a million dollars. If you miss a day or at the end, you're just like, I can't take this anymore. You lose the bet. Okay. You with me so far? Okay. Bet number three is you don't have to eat cilantro, but you have a year to cultivate a like for the cilantro. And at the end of the year, you're going to be hooked up to the lie detector test. And you're going to be asked a series of questions. And if you pass the test, you win a million dollars. And if you don't, you lose a million dollars. Okay. Bet one and three, what are the similarities between, between one and three? You don't have to eat it. You just have to change your opinion about it authentically. Bet number two is you don't have to change your emotions or your feelings about it. You just have to eat it. Okay. Now, um, which one do you think is the most doable scenario? You have to participate. So put it in the chat box or unmute. Okay, Paula says three. Okay. Two, so a couple of people are saying two, two. Okay, two. Okay, so let's talk about this. Le- Number one, is that even doable? Is that even doable to instantly change a, a, a deep hatred for something to a like? It's not really doable. What is that compared to? It's kind of like compared to like a tzaddik, okay? it's The tzaddik's emotions are totally congruent with God. He, he, he doesn't have to change them, right? And we as regular humans can't always have complete control over our emotions and we definitely can instantaneously change our emotions so bet number one is off the table right bet number two really if you think about it is the most doable why because you don't have to like it you just have to do it you just have to have behavioral control you just have to take the thing put it in your mouth, swallow it, drink a cup of water after, and you know that in the end, you're going to get a million dollars. So it's doable because you don't have to, you're not having emotional, you're not chain, you're not having to have control your feelings. You're just having to control your actions. Now, bet number three is doable, but very difficult. And we may or may not get there. Remember, you can fake it till you make it, but how long is it gonna take you to actually make it? And are you gonna be ready for that lie detector test in a year, right? So it is doable because we're gonna learn later in, in um, the Tanya that the Bainini does have the ability to slowly change his emotions, to slowly match them with his actions. So we do. we are on that journey to create certain emotions, but it's a very long journey and we may or may not get there. But what we do know for sure is that we can control our behaviors. We can control our actions. So just like we can eat something that we really dislike for a good, for a really good payday at the end, right? It's worth it There's something really good that's going to happen at the end. And we don't have to like it. And we can do it every single day for a year and they hate it, right? But we still can do it. So too, it's the same thing with our um, spiritual um, behaviors, right? We can really, really have a hard time with certain commandments, with certain um, spiritual concepts, but we can still do them because we know that it's godly. We know that it's connecting ourselves to God. We know that there's a really great payday at the end of it, right? We're, we're spiritually connecting to Hashem. So we do it anyway, right? So- and that is just an example to illustrate the idea of behavioral control is in our immediate ability. Emotional control is something that we want to work on. We don't want to ignore it. We want to, we want to slowly work on it, but it's something that will take a lot of time. And it's something that is not at our fingertips. We cannot in an instant be like, I used to hate this, now I love it, right? It just, it's just not going to happen. So, so that's the same thing that the Tani Song telling us. It's not going to happen that we're going to be a Tzaddik, right? We're wired that way. And so somebody asked a question, I was listening to a talk and somebody asked like, so are you saying that are Tzaddikim born that way? And the answer is yes. Tzaddikim are born with a special soul that allows them the ability to get to this idea. Now, um, It doesn't mean that we're off the hook for for emotional control, right? We still want to work on it and we're gonna talk about why, okay? So, but the point, the really important point is that anyone can be a Benani. Anyone can do it, right? Because the only thing that you need to do it, which is the first tool that we were introduced to in chapter 12, What was our first tool that we got in our toolbox to become a bani? Ma'ach shalat al halav, right? Our mind rules our heart. Self control, impulse control. And what did we learn about impulse control? We learned that everyone's born with it. Remember, we told the story about the lady in the coming out of the store, how she was able to like stop herself in an instant right? She was able to hold herself back from disciplining her child till she got to the car. She started disciplining her child when she got to the car. As soon as she saw someone watching her, she stopped, right? What does that mean? We have behavioral control. We, have imp- we can control what we do depending on our scenarios, right? So it's it, something that we're born with. So this tool, this first tool that we got to be a bandy is not something that we have to actually acquire. We have it. We just have to use it. And use it not only for, you know, our day-to-day life. And remember we said like, um, just enough to like, if someone's watching you, you don't act the same way as someone who's not watching you, right? Like not only for that, but like also for our spiritual life, right? We have the ability to have impulse control for our spiritual life. So if you're in the airport and the Cinnabon counter smells so delicious because that's like my favorite thing in the whole wide world, the cinnamon buns, right? We have the ability to not get it, even though we want it, even though it smells delicious, and even though that would make us really happy. But we have the the ability to have self-control and be like, no, God said no. Even though I like it, even though I want it, it doesn't mean I have to act on it, okay? Now, um... What, so what I really want to drive home is that two things. First of all, sometimes we do have tzaddik moments. Remember we talked about back in chapter 11, where we talked about the Tzadik and we could have a tzaddik moment. What's a tzaddik moment look like? It looks like when our actions and our emotions are congruent with each other, they match. So we're doing something that's godly and we're actually really invested and our emotions are along for the ride. Okay, so that does happen. We can have sadic moments. It's just not sustainable for us to to live every single moment of our life that way completely. Okay, and the other thing is, um, if I want you to go away, we're not done yet, but if I want you to take home one idea is we don't have to act on every emotion, right? You can do things you don't like, and you cannot do things you do like. Okay. Like we have permission to do that. It's okay. We don't have to, Hashem is telling us, you don't have to love every minute of your spiritual journey and observance. You don't, and you're probably not going to. It takes kind of that pressure off of like having to do it. And then also enjoy doing it every single moment of every single day. We don't have to, it's not what, that's not actually our, that's not even our path. That's a tzaddik's path. It's not even our path. So just don't forget about it. Okay. So um, if there is a concept that when you like that fake it till you make it concept, or when you do something enough, right, you could start to like it. Right. And that can happen with food too. Like if you eat it enough, your taste buds, I think, regenerate every 30 days. So if you eat something enough times, you might develop a taste for it. So back to our little example, like the third example is not completely out of reach because if we do something enough, we could actually, that could actually affect our emotions and our, um, our, like our feelings about an, uh, about a food or about a concept. Okay. So, um, but I don't know if you remember when I told you right, right in the beginning, how the, how the, the way, the way that Tanya is structured is that the altar, what, what was the inspiration for this Tanya for the book of Tanya is that the altar kept on having these personal meetings with people. And he noticed that there's, A lot of the same questions. And not only that, people were coming back and asking him the same questions over and over again. So the altar doesn't have an unlimited amount of time. So he said, I'm going to put it in a book and this is going to be your reference and this is going to be your journey. So it actually is like, it's linear. Like there is a, this is the path. So things are in order and in the trajectory of how you develop and are growing as a human, right? So kind of we're up to this point where we're learning about Malach shalat al we're learning about self-control. And so even though we might have the ability to change our emotions, to match our actions, we're not up to there yet, okay? So we, we don't want to really focus on that. Right now, we just want to know and understand the concept and feel the relief of the concept that the only thing we have to do to, to be on the journey of the Bani is impulse control. And the Tanya also wants you to understand that, which is, I think the teenagers nowadays have a really hard time understanding this concept is that feelings aren't facts, okay? So I have this ongoing discussion with my teenager where she tells me something and I'm like, okay, um, I get that's how you feel, but it's not necessarily reality, right? And in her mind, feelings are facts. If I feel this way, if, or I believe this thing, um, then it, 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 that's a fact. And it's really, really a good concept to start to understand and realize that just because we feel something, it doesn't mean it's not valid. It doesn't mean we don't have to pay attention to it, but it also doesn't equal fact. Okay. So if we have a feeling that, oh my gosh, I don't feel connected to God when I light Shabbos candles, right? I don't feel it. So it must not be true. So I'm not connecting to God because I don't feel it. And what hard to come to say is no, 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 no. You are connecting to God when you light Shabbos candles, whether you feel it or not, right? Like, this is an amazing concept. So just, it's really, really cool just to keep that in mind. Like, even though we are doing something, we know we're doing it because we understand the concept That this is holy, but not always are we actually gonna feel it. And if we don't feel it, that doesn't make it a fact. Okay. So, um, the other cool thing is that, and also a little like, you know, a little harsh in a way, because, you know, it's hard to kind of wrap our brain around a lot of these concepts. But even if you're, let's say you do something holy. And you're doing it because it gives you a deep sense of fulfillment. Is that action coming from, is it godly driven or self-driven? You're doing something great. You're doing something positive. But if it's self-driven, it's still coming sort of from the animal soul. So what we're saying is that the animal soul can be pretty refined. An animal soul isn't always pushing you towards things that are completely prohibited, right? Remember, because it's you're either doing something for God, which is godly, which is godly soul, or you're doing something self-serving. And self-serving doesn't have to mean negative, right? It just means it's self-serving. So you can have an animal soul, which is pretty refined, which means that you're doing these commandments or you're doing this spiritual path because it makes you feel good. Now, is that bad? No, because you know we're still doing the mitzvah, we're still connecting to God. But is your animal soul still there, has kind of a hold on you? Yes, because what we're gonna what we're gonna learn more and more and more about Tanya, in Tanya is that, and what the tzaddik actually is, is I'm doing this because it's what God wants. So if I have the bonus of feeling good with it, great. But my drive for doing these things is because it's what God wants. Okay. And later in the Tanya, we're going to understand, well, why does God want this? And what are we accomplishing when we do it? And that's all about, you know, creating a dwelling place for God in this world. And we're going to get there. If you stick with me till chapter in the thirties, we're going to get there. Okay. So our animal soul can be pretty refined, which which is a reality, but like it's tricky, you know? Um, so everybody can be a Bainini. All we need to do for, to be a Bainini is to be able to exert Your will over your behaviors, not your emotions. Okay. You don't have to control your emotions. You just have to control your behaviors. Okay. And through the tools that we are going to learn, is going to tell us how to do that. Okay. There are tools as well that we're going to learn that are going to help us turn our emotions a little bit to our benefit because in very few chapters, we're going to learn that it's very, very hard to sustain a practice long-term when you really don't enjoy it. It's hard. You could do it, right? We understand. You could eat the cilantro every day for a year and, and you can do it, but is it enjoyable? Not so much, right? And we ultimately, we do want to have an enjoyable experience serving God. So when, when the altar feels ready, he's going to tell us um, how to slowly help our emotions benefit our behaviors because we don't want to have a miserable experience all the time. We want to enjoy it, right? Uh, okay, this is a question. Do you have to be a Jew to be a Bani? That's a very good question. Um, yes. You need to be a Jew to be a Beninit. It is very connected to your godly soul. It does not mean you need to be a Jew to be a good person, right? Like a, a Jew's trajectory um, to be godly. I mean, a non-Jew's trajectory to be godly and a good person is different, but it's they have a path to do so, right? They have the seven Noahide laws. They have, there's something called Hasidei umosa Olam, the, 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 the non-Jews in the world who are who live a godly life and who are who are connected to God—it's just a different path, and they get there in a different way. But the concept of abanani is uniquely Jewish. Does that make sense? Does that help? Okay. All right. So we are going to go back for a second to the first chapter, where the first line of the Tanya, which we didn't really delve into in depth. Um, which poses a lot of questions. In this chapter, we're gonna answer one of these questions. So I'm gonna tell you what the first line of the Tanya says. There's gonna be a lot of questions that come up when you hear this. And throughout the Tanya, we're slowly gonna understand this, this foundational concept that the Tanya starts with. And, it, and in this chapter, we understand it a little better. So what is the first line? It says, um, when you're born, a, vo- uh, a voice, Comes and makes your soul give an oath. What's the oath? It says you have to make an oath to be a tzaddik and not to be a Russia. Okay. And it says, even if the whole world will tell you that you're a tzaddik, you should view yourself as a Russia. Okay. Lots of questions in this concept. Um, the one question that we're going to answer today is that w- we know that the altar was careful with his words, right, number one. And he's actually also quoting something from, I think it's from the Gemara, and the Gemara doesn't have extra words. It seems very redundant to say, be a Tzaddik and not be a Russia. If you're going to, if you're a Tzaddik, you're obviously not going to, you're not a Russia, right? So why does that have to say, you take an oath to be a Tzaddik and not to be a Russia, Okay. So when it says to be a tzaddik, what are we really talking about here? What does it mean to be a tzaddik? Tzaddik equals, what is it? Remember, we just spoke about it. What sets the tzaddik apart from the rest of the world? His emotions, right? His emotions are completely in sync with God, right? So tzaddik equals emotions, right? So it's telling, so the, this boss call, this voice is telling us be a tzaddik. So Control your emotions, okay. Control your emotions, and um, everything you do should be godly and incongruent with God, right? But we know that the odds of that is very slim, right? We know now that we're our path is not really going to take us there, right? We don't. We're not on the tzaddik path, so it says. Most of us can't get there. So what's plan B? Plan B is if you can't be a Tzaddik, at least be a Russia. What does a Russia mean? At least don't be a Russia. What does it mean? Sorry, don't be a, Ru- don't be a Russia. Um, what does it mean? It means don't act on it. If you can't get your emotions to completely align with God, okay, that's ideal. But you know what? most of us aren't going to get there. So plan B, um, at least don't be a Russia. At least don't act on those emotions, which means be a Bainani, which means have behavioral control. So that's why we need it. That's why that that verse needs to say, be a Tzaddik. If you can't be a Tzaddik, don't be a Russia. Go on this middle path of the Bainani, which allows you to have whatever emotions you have, but You don't you have complete behavioral control. Okay, so um, but the question is there's still another question, right? If we know that we're not on the tzadik trajectory, like why do we even have this oath? Like it kind of seems unfair. Like, why are we telling why are you telling us that be a tzadik? Oh, but if you can't be a tzadik, don't be a Russia. And the reason why it even brings up this concept of tzadik is because even though we know we're never going to ultimately be at tzadik, we still have to try. We still have to try. What does it mean to try? We have to try to slowly work on our emotions so that they do eventually match up with our actions some of the time. Okay? And we are going to learn tools to do so there are tools that are going to help us create emotions that help us elevate our godly experience. Okay. So um, what's an? it's actually in, like, if you want to understand the, the extent to what goes on inside at Sadic, it's like, if a tzaddik would, when he when a tzaddik looks at food, he doesn't really see the food. All he sees is the potential for a godly connection. It's extreme. Yeah, I'm giving that example of food because food is part of all of our lives and it actually is like a big deal and it's a big deal, right? So when a tzaddik looks at food, it's like he doesn't really see the food. He just sees the potential of a godly connection. Now, we're probably not, gonna get there because when we look at food probably most of the time we look at oh yummy delicious and some of the times we'll be like oh i'm gonna make a bracha i'm gonna use i need to eat because i'm gonna go teach a torah class and i'm gonna use the energy to do something positive but we're still seeing the food right we're still see- and we're still gonna you know it's still a lot about the food but the tzaddik doesn't doesn't even register He's just seeing godliness. Whatever he sees in front of him is just godly, okay? So yes, maybe that's out of our reach. But slowly, slowly, if we, like, if we were just to say, you know what, I'm never going to be a tzaddik, so I'm never going to work on my emotions at all, that's actually sad for us because that, that we miss out on a huge opportunity. So if we say, okay, I'm supposed to try to be a tzaddik, which means practically I need to work on my emotions, So even though I know that I'm not going to ultimately reach Tzadik status, I'm going to have benefit from working on my emotions because whatever, however much we can work on emotions and however many times we do something and our emotions are matching with our actions, it's just all that much better. So we do benefit from striving for emotional, um, I'm not going to say emotional perfection, but emotional, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's like a word on top of my tongue, like, um, control. Yeah. Well, yeah. Control, but like evolved emotional status, right? Like it's, 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 it's elevated emotions refined. Yeah. So, um, we do benefit from that and we're going to learn how to do that on our level. Okay. So, um, The last part of this chapter is that there is a concept of emulating a tzaddik, right? Emulating the idea of a tzaddik that has emotional perfection. Um, And what it means is that we're going to cultivate some purity of our emotions. But at, at the same time, it's not an obligation. It's important to know that it's not an obligation and it's not our goal. Okay. Our goal is not, our ultimate goal is not emotional perfection. What's our um, ultimate goal? Behavioral perfection. Okay. We always, we cannot lose sight of our goal because if our, if we decide, you're like, why not try for something better or something greater? If we try for emotional perfection, we're just going to be dejected and we're going to, we're going to fail and it's going to turn us off. So our goal needs to be behavioral perfection and sprinkled in with some emotional, emotional refinement. You're with me. Makes sense because we don't, there's taking, biting off more than you can chew. is not going to be beneficial in our spiritual journey. It never is. That's why I mentioned a couple classes ago about the concept of baby steps, right? If we take on more than we can handle, all that's going to happen is that we're not going to be able to sustain it. It's going to leave us with a very negative feeling. And instead of doing something, we do nothing. Because you know, you know what? I'm out. And it, this happens so many times. We get inspired. We like feel really on a spiritual high and we're like, oh, I'm going to be godly. and I'm going to do everything. And guess, guess, guess what the problem with a spiritual high is that it's not sustainable. It doesn't last because it's not coming from our intellect. It's coming from our emotions. And we know that our emotions are not lasting and something that, something that we create from our intellect is lasting. So when we take baby steps and we say, you know what, I'm really inspired and I'm going to say Mo Da'ani every morning, right? I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to commit myself to daven the whole davening every day because I don't think that's sustainable, but I'm going to do Mo Ani every morning. It takes 10 seconds. I can do that. What happens is, is that that baby step ends up motivating us because we feel accomplished. We, 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 we can do it. It's inspiring. And then we're ready to do something else. So this is why the Tanya wants to be very clear in saying, don't reach for the stars, you know, like, you know, um, because that's not our journey. Our journey is not emotional perfection. And you're just going to get really, really, really bent out of shape when you are constantly hitting your head against the wall. So our journey is behavioral perfection. But don't, don't, you know, um, stop yourself from having some kind of emotional refinement, right? Because we could, we are capable of having some emotional refinement. And so we are tasked with the, um, the ability to try. Every once in a while, try. Try meditating on some concepts that will create a certain emotion. And that's what we're going to get to in the next chapter is the concept of meditation and other things that will create some emotions to make our journey easier. Because like we said, doing something that you hate day in and day out is also not sustainable. There's only so much you're going to want to be miserable, right? So we do. It's very, very important that our journey with God and our godliness is enjoyable because that's what will motivate us to do it more. So it's this fine line of finding a way to enjoy your your journey with Hashem, slowly work on your emotions, but not getting carried away and thinking that, oh, if I don't feel it, I don't do it because that also kind of cuts you out of the ability to be a bainani. Bainini means the the, the real um, foundational concept of a is doing things you don't like and not doing things you do like. Yeah? Okay. So before we go on to our short meditation, any questions? No? Oh. Okay. Is using our own enjoyment to keep motivating us considered a negative thing because it's the animal soul? <laughs> Um, very, very good question. I would not consider it a negative thing, right? Because remember we said Russia is not evil, right? It's just not godly, okay? So I think your motivation, but it's important because your motivation is not necessarily godly, but your action is, right? So don't get don't get too, like, down in the fact that I'm doing a mitzvah because I enjoy it it's still it's still a really good thing to do because what what makes the most difference in this world is not what's behind the action it's the action itself so doing a, um, a mitzvah because it's enjoyable to you is might not be a godly motivation because it's not god-centered but your action is godly and your action is connecting you to god whether you are aware of it or not did I answer your question okay any more questions okay So get comfortable and we're gonna do our little meditation here. Okay, take a deep breath. Gently close your eyes and in through your nose, out through your mouth. Focus on the rhythm of your breath. Is it short, quick, shallow, deep? Don't try to change it. Just go with whatever your natural breath is taking you. We'll stay here for a minute. you to um visualize a bright shining light shining through and melting away any tension that you might ha- might have in your body first of all observe where you carry your tension and then visualize your tension melting away? Is it melting out through your extremities? Is it melting out through your head, through your chest? Like, where does your tension, where can you move it out of your body? And just observe, like, how does that make you feel? Do you feel lighter? Do you feel no different? There's no wrong answer. Just make some observations. Okay, now I want you to bring your mind to some of these concepts that we discussed. Your actions, speech, and thoughts are under your complete control. Right now, you can achieve total self-mastery if you so desire. So we have at our fingertips what it takes to be a Benini. Because what it takes to be a Bainini is behavioral control and we know how to do that. We can do it now. It's very helpful to focus on the now, right? Like what I can do right now. Don't worry about the future. Don't focus on the past. Right now, what's in your control? We will probably never achieve self-mastery over our emotions, right? Which is like our deep emotional core, Um, unless your soul was built for that. But you shouldn't stop trying. Take some time, a couple times a week to meditate on ideas that will help you change your inner core. So what I want you to go home with is that we're not, our our goal is not emotional control. Um, It's very much behavioral control, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't try to slowly affect our emotions and refine them. And we will get more tools to do that as we move along. You don't have to like everything that you do and you don't have to dislike everything that you don't do. Facts are not feelings. Feelings are not facts, sorry. Feelings are not facts. Slowly bring your attention back to your breath in through your nose, out through your mouth. Start to become aware of some of the sounds, smells, physical sensations around you. And when you're ready, gently open your eyes. Okay, how are we doing? Any questions after the meditation? You feel good about this? Yeah? Okay. All right, well, I'm so happy that you joined me back here live whoever was able to get on here I always love having you live I love to hear that you guys listen to recordings but it's way more fun for me to see you here um so see you back here next week same time again if you have any questions you know how to reach out you can listen on schmoozy and more of like a podcast form or you can watch on youtube um video form if there's if you want to listen again or there's a class that you missed and want to catch up on all right have a wonderful day guys see you soon thank you oh, let me stop the recording